You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you, the DU Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks Limit Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. Joining us once again today is Field Hudnall, owner of Field Proven Calls and Yeti Ambassador. Field, welcome back to the DU Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Always. Cool, man. You know, as part of uh, Yeti sponsorship of, of the Ducks Unlimited podcast, which they've been great at sponsoring us here, um, they wanted to bring one of their Yeti ambassadors on. They chose you. Um, it's fantastic because, you know, last time you were on, we had a great conversation. But um, one of the main reasons why, you know, one, they chose you and, and while we're doing this is, you know, Yeti has a new waterfowl book coming out. And so before we get anything into anything else, as far as just random duck conversations like we had last time, I want you to go ahead and explain exactly what the Yeti book is and what people should kind of be looking for when this book is launched. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, it's uh, I've been a Yeti ambassador, I believe, going on for five or six years now. Um, amazing company to work with. And it's the people. Um, everybody I've worked with there, it's the same thing like Ducks Unlimited. Um, it's the people that make the company, and they are all very passionate outdoorsmen and, and in different pursuits. Um, so I am a waterfowl ambassador. So the community that I work with are obviously waterfowl hunters, waterfowl enthusiasts. And <clears throat> Yeti has done basically what they are is they are very high-end um, tabletop, table coffee books, I guess you'd call them. A coffee, yeah. table, photo book. That's it. There you go. <laughs> um, and what it is is they've done them in the past. They've done one called uh, Wild Sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, that they did with Adam Foss. They did one called Tarpon. And when I got the phone call and they were telling me that they were going to re- release one titled Ducks, I was beyond excited. And then I became overwhelmingly nervous and humbled when they asked me to help curate the book and to write the forward for the book. <laughs> um, first thing that popped in my head was why me? You know, <laughs> um, it was so, it was very intimidating, very exciting. Um, but once we, uh, once I started working with the people that were putting the, the brains behind the operation, um, which was, uh, you know, Talweg Creative, they're the ones that work with Yeti directly on the, the publication and the creating of the book. Um, and I got to work really close with a gentleman named Ryan Heffernan and Grayson Schaefer. Um, they're the creative directors and editorial mm-hmm. directors. Um, once we start talking about this book, it's like, how do you make a coffee? table book about ducks well right off the bat and i was a little heartbroken about it but we were like 
is it ducks and geese or is it just ducks? <laughs> and they were like, look, we've only got 160 pages to work with here. So we, oh, cause if we got into geese and we're having a look at swans and cranes and just gets in, oh, yeah. ducks was overwhelming enough. Um, so once we locked down, that it was going to be about ducks. It was like, all right, now how do we organize this? Because yeah. as you know, Chris, and anyone listening to this, that's a duck hunter, you could do an entire book on just one species, just mallards or canvas box or divers or, or whatever, you know? So what we wanted to do is, and it, we had to keep reminding ourselves that it was not the, you know, the, the one and only book to summarize ducks as a whole. But what we want to do is we want to break down, um, the continent in, in the four major flyways, and we were going to dedicate a single chapter to each flyway. Hmm. So when you open this book, it is going to, it's absolutely beautiful. I've not seen it in paper print form. It's still being printed and they print these books over in Italy on um, museum grade photo stock paper. They're beautiful books. And, but the PDF version that we've been working with, we, we basically brought together the most renowned, uh, waterfowl photographers in the business. Yeah. Um, you know, names like uh, uh, Lee Chose, Bill Buckley. I mean, just some absolute legends came to the table and we literally had thousands of images submitted. Wow. And we started sifting through these images. So what we had to do is we categorized them on where the images came from. And it's not just photos of ducks, it's lifestyle. Um, and, you know, and that's the thing is like, I looked at it from the outside looking in, I'm like, I've, you know, I've been in waterfowl hunting my entire life, but what if somebody picks this book up that doesn't know the first thing about waterfowl hunting? I wanted to paint a round, you know, a full picture of what water, the waterfowl, waterfowling culture is about. And that is so hard to do because as you know, let's just say you're, let's just say mallards, you know, if you're a mallard enthusiast, the, the waterfowl hunting culture in, let's say, Stuttgart, Arkansas, is completely different than it is in North Dakota, South Dakota, oh, yeah. um, Oklahoma. You know, it's different people. It's different styles of hunting. It's a different culture altogether, even though it's a single species. So we didn't want to focus on species as much as we wanted to focus on the people. Yeah. And that's what's really cool about the book is because it's a book of portraits also. So... Um, if it, if I had it my way, I would have said it's going to take a minimum of, you know, two to three, possibly five years to build, to put this book together. Well, we didn't have that time, <laughs> um, but we, we've got some beautiful portraits of some amazing people um, that are, that have dedicated their lives to the waterfowling you know, life. Um, that's everything from conservationists, past Ducks Unlimited presidents, um, call makers, decoy carvers, guides, you name it. And what I really wanted to do is I wanted to make sure it wasn't just a book that was paying tribute to those that are well known in the mainstream arena, mm -hmm. but it's the people you've never heard of. The people that are so consumed with waterfowl hunting and that lifestyle that they don't have social media pages, you've never heard of them, but they are truly some of the best in the business. And I've, some of these people I, I met through, you know, my time as a host of Ducks Unlimited Television. And that's yeah. what I really wanted to bring to this book was, you know, with DUTV, you, it tells so many different stories and it, it showcases people that nobody's ever heard of, but they are amazing, amazing conservationists and amazing waterfowl hunters. Yeah, I actually um, got the, so this uh, book. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. I was saying I actually got the PDF of it earlier 
uh, you know. Oh, you did. While. So, All right. So I've been able to go through and kind of look at it and look at some of the people, and it's really cool. I think people are going to be really impressed with it. And I, I think, you know, saying it like a photo book of ducks is a little you know, misleading as far as, you know, it's also a photo book of hunters, like you said, portraits, hunting, dogs, habitat, boats. Like there's some just cool shots in here that are just, like you said, yes. it really just encapsulates everything that duck hunting is about. And so it's really cool. You know, right. like you said, it's almost more of a lifestyle thing, which is neat. It is. It is. And when we were putting this book together again, there were some people that I would have literally given up a finger for to make sure that they were in this book. Um, just people that in my life have been complete, you know, I, I look as as living legends. Mm -hmm. Um, but unfortunately, you know, we, <laughs> this book would have to be 500 pages to cover, you know, to try to cover a fraction of the people that deserve to be in this book. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a tip of the hat to the waterfowling community. Again, it's not, um, it's, you know, it's not, it doesn't cover everything. It's impossible to cover everything, but I think it's a pretty good, it's, you know, so also there's four essays, mm -hmm. all right? So it came down to, there's four flyways. We're going to have four editorials in each one. How do we determine what these editorials are? Do you make it about a location? Do you make it about, you know, a place, a wetland? A, and we decided to make them about people. And again, this was extremely difficult because um, I wanted it to be, you know, really, it's about people. Some of them are a little more well-known than others, but I want them to be about people that have amazing stories that a lot of people haven't heard of. They're not, and as you get into those stories, they're not always PC correct, you know, but it's the reality of it. Um, and Yeti, I mean, they are, they're all about showing the, the reality of things, the personalities of people. You can't. You know, people are who they are, and that's that's the way it is. And that's why I was very proud that, um, and especially the photos. You know, you look at the images; they're not just portraits of people, but you try to capture their personality. And I think a lot of these these portraits, if you know that person, their their personality really shows in that um, in you know in that photo. And just kind of glancing even at the PDF, which I'm excited to see the printed version. It'll be awesome, but it really does. You know, and, and you can look at it and you're like, oh, this is this is probably a Yeti thing. <laughs> you know, you can kind of get right. the feel of it. You know, it's just and it's not like yes. over, it's not like over the top where there's, you know, Yeti products. It's not a product guide. You know, it's no, more or less fact, just. Yeah, it's just lifestyle. Yeah. Honestly, I don't even right off the top of my head. There might be a cut one or two in there, but I cannot think of a single image that, you know, has a Yeti product in it, actually. Mm -hmm. um, there might be one or two. But I, Nothing really sticks out to me. Yeah. Um, and what's one thing that was so much fun was we went down to the uh, museum of the Arkansas Grand Prairie, mm -hmm, and that's that. where we held one of our one of our photo shoots. And I'm going to go ahead and spoil one of the images that's in here that because a lot of people don't know much about it, but the jacket that's made out of mallard greenheads, yeah, um, is in this book, and that. The, the people at the Museum of the Arkansas Grand Prairie were absolutely amazing. That was a – you talk about a still-life photographer's playground. Mm -hmm. We could pick everything, you know, anything we wanted off the shelf, and we were – they took still-lifes of different items and just – it's – 
it was such a fun book to work on and put together. And I was just humbled and honored to, you know, to work with some amazing professionals, people that are so much better at what they do than I am. Again, it was just very humbling. So when, when will the book be available? Is that information out yet? Yes. Absolutely. Um, the book will drop November 20th. Okay. And they are going to have a featured release at the World Duck Calling Championship down in Stuttgart, Arkansas. Oh, cool. Um, and they're only going to print 3,000 copies of the book. And once once it's done, it's done. Um, and they are actually giving Ducks Unlimited 500 copies yep. for Ducks Unlimited to do whatever they want with, you know, for, for conservation. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think what's cool about this too, and you'd mentioned where it's just a focus on ducks. Um, but what's kind of neat about that is you kind of open the door for Yeti presents geese. Do you know, you could, you could always have that. I know. That's a- <laughs> and I was just like, man, I'll, if they do geese, I really just, there's, I really hope to, you know, at least maybe offer some opinions on that one because yeah. it could be such a cool book. Um, oh, yeah. But no, I, I hope they do. I really hope they do. Well, cool. We'll see how this takes off. I know I'm excited to see it. I'm sure other people are excited to see it. And uh, I know Ducks Unlimited appreciates, you know, being involved in it and also, you know, being able to receive 500 of these copies to raise money for conservation. So that's exciting. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, as we roll on with this conversation and, and uh, you know, I think the first thing, I'll, and I'll just kind of throw it out there because we've done this with other guests that, you know, how we haven't had you on. Well, I think you were on in the summer doing the DUTV stuff, but yes, sir. Um, we haven't had you on in the regular season, you know, since last year. And so I want yeah. to touch base with you just as far as, you know, just a wrap up of how was your duck season last year? It was actually really good. Um, so we, um, I mainly hunt the Ohio river. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do, I didn't hardly do any traveling last year like we normally do. Um, but we really focused on the Ohio river and a good friend of mine, um, who's also a ducks unlimited donor, Mr. Austin Musselman. Um, he's got some, we've been doing some waterfowl wetland habitat management stuff, um, in Indiana mm-hmm. and Watch we're about out now. six years Getting into my territory. Well, Indiana's territory. a big state. I know. <laughs> Indiana's a big state. And uh, we've, uh, you know, we it's a project we've been working on for about six years. And what I love the most about it, because I was, I'm born and raised just a river rat, hunting mm-hmm. public, the Ohio River. And whatever, you know, happened to, I always say we're in a flyway, but we're not really in a flyway. Yeah. <laughs> we get, we don't get a lot of anything, but we get a little bit of everything on that river. And you never know when it's going to come through. And for so many years, it's just been very inconsistent hunting. And ever since uh, Mr. Austin started really, you know, trying to create some wetland habitat, just to really, not necessarily for hunting, but just to try to give the ducks in our area a spot to rest, spot to feed. And it's made the hunting better, you know, in our area. Is it in my, is it great? No, but it's better than what it was. Um, And we're learning how to hunt it. We're learning how to manage it to where the ducks, you know, they do have a place to really rest along their flight. And it's been good. Um, Our goose hunting hasn't been that great. It hasn't been that great for about 10 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but the duck hunting has been good. And that's, that's what I love about, where we hunt is because again, you're not going to go out there and shoot limits. It just, it doesn't happen. But one day you might go out there and shoot, 
you know, mallards and widgeon and even in pintails. And the next day, the very next day, you go out there thinking you're going to do it again. And you may not see a mallard, but you might shoot a redhead. You might shoot a canvas back. We've even shot an old or a, a long tailed duck out there before. Um, it's just, it's, it's a unique area, but it's, it, it's enough to keep us happy, but not good enough to draw too much attention, I guess. Yeah, no, that's that's probably the way to do it. Don't draw too much attention. Uh, I got exactly. A, I got a good buddy that hunts uh, hunts the Ohio right there, almost at the confluence with the Wabash in Ohio. And uh, oh, okay, he yeah. he did uh, he did pretty well last year. I mean, he had some slow days, but then there towards the end, I think he was he was pretty pretty happy with with the hunting there. It kind of picked up right at the end. So uh, that's good to hear right. that you guys was was very similar. I'm, I'm sure um, everyone kind of improved a little bit later last year when the weather shifted a little bit. Absolutely. We always keep our eyes right around that area north of there, you know, around Dayton, uh, Indianapolis, because that mm-hmm. really foreshadows what, what we're about to see yeah. um, in our area. And a lot of times those birds will stop just north of us. And because of the, you know, the weather's only severe enough to push them to that point, And then they never really get all the way towards us. And a lot of times when they do hit us, they just, they just overshoot us and just keep moving. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, and I don't know any any more at my age. Um, there's it shooting a duck isn't what gets me out there. There's little pleasures that I you know I've I've learned to enjoy more than just pulling the trigger on a duck. So it's uh, yeah yeah I don't know. I'm I'm getting philosophical there and pretty deep. <laughs> no, I mean we we just had Jim Ronquist on you know like a week ago and and he kind of yeah. talked. He always has talked about the same thing. You know, it's not always about filling your straps and, and doing that, it can be something else, you know, something his for him. It's like kind of the boat rides and the, you know, just right. being out there and, and people smiling and having a good time. And, and so, you know, it's just one of those things where that, that's kind of different for everybody. And you're right. I mean, I'm getting older, you know, you're getting older, you're kind of getting the stage where, you know, I'm not really worried about stacking them up as much as, you know, Hey, let's go back yep. to the house and all cook a bunch of breakfast and hang out. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't yeah. always have to be that, you know, hardcore hunting, I guess. is. Yeah. Um, Everybody's journey is different, you know, and it, it, honestly, it doesn't, I don't think it matters what age you get into waterfowl hunting. You all, everyone starts at A, you know, A to Z, if that's your journey in the waterfowl game. Um, and don't get me wrong. Everyone loves good hunts and, mm-hmm when you know we were younger or you know just getting into the waterfowl game i remember clay and i would wake up and we'd get up at you know one in the morning to drive three and a half hours or two hours into indiana i'm not going to mention any spots you know just to get those good hunts because we knew we might shoot you know three or four more ducks at this spot than we would in our backyard well at this age in the game, it's like, ah, I'll, I'll sacrifice two or three ducks and not drive two or three additional hours, yeah. you know, but, but no, I mean, it's, uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, everybody loves great hunts, but, um, I've been very blessed as I know you have and Mr. Ron quest that, you know, when you've had some really good hunts that, you know, you can like, well, I can slow it down just a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm not as, uh, you know the term that a lot of people like to use. I'm not as mad at them as I used to be. Yeah, that's I was what younger. I. That's what I was gonna say. That's the <laughs> buddy I hunt with all the time. He's always like, "We're gonna sit all day. We're gonna sit all day." You know, if they're not flying the morning this morning, I'm like, "No, I'm not." I was like, "I'm just not that mad at them. I got, I got things to do. I got kids. I'm not." You know, you can't you can't Absolutely. always you can't always sit all day. It's like, yeah, I just I no. used to, but man, not now. Now I'm I'm busy. 
Bob. No, no that's no. cool. And you got yeah. you're home with your kids <laughs> now too, aren't you? We, I am. Yeah. Yeah. My brother, he's got a little boy and a girl and I got two boys mm-hmm. who are nine and six. Um, you know, and before, the, especially this year, I know that they definitely want to hunt a whole lot more, but I'm very blessed that because of my job, you know, the, the career path that I chose to take and, um, I can hunt weekdays and I'll hunt weekdays in the morning. Clay and I will, we, you know, our shop is, uh, literally, three, 400 yards from the boat ramp. Um, and we'll hunt the river. And then if it's good, we'll shoot our ducks and then we'll come back into work. If it's not good, we'll come back even sooner and get work done. But then I'm, I kind of made a rule. I didn't hunt on Saturday or Sunday because that's when my kids were home from school and I'm making them pancakes and breakfast and stuff. And that's our time. Um, but now as they're getting older, I think Saturday and Sundays, they're going to want to be out on that water hunt. Yeah. So <laughs> you may have to take a couple of weekdays um, off just to, I, I know, right. Wear yep, yourself exactly. out. Now that's cool. So, yep. uh, you know, you mentioned your brother, and and I just wanted to touch on field proven calls, and and how, so how's everything going? Field proven, and you know, do you got any new new products out right now? Man, it's going great. In fact, I mean, it sounds it sounds bad, but we're actually I'm busier than what I want to be. Uh, honestly, um, it's uh, business is great. Um, we, you know, we're building calls every day. We do have a new goose call coming out called the. The SBG, which stands for just short barrel goose. Um, it's a polycarbonate call that has a uh, worn gut system in it. It's very smooth, easy to operate. Um, it's a <laughs> it's a call that five or ten years ago you would have spent $160 on. Now you can get, I'm not sure what our final price point is, but it's like right around 60 bucks, I think. Um, full lifetime warranty on it. Um, no, I mean, business is good. And I, I can't, I don't complain because I absolutely love my job, but also it's, you know, I tune goose calls every day mm-hmm. and it takes a toll on your hearing. Um, oh, I've yeah. noticed I've got tendonitis and it's gotten worse over the years. And, um, so it's one of those things that, you know, it's taxing on my body, but I still, I'm going to do it for as long as I can. Yeah. Um, it's, but no, business is very good. Good. Very good. Yeah, that's good to hear. I know there was, you know, so many different calls out in the markets today, but you know, you guys have seemed to stay fairly consistent in that, you know, in that area, and that's that's awesome to see. Yeah, we don't we don't release new calls every year. Yeah, um, our kind of model is is if we see a void and it's it makes sense for us to create a call to fill that void in our lineup. Um, and really, that's where when we just go to direct consumer shows, we talk to customers. I mm-hmm. mean, we Clay and I will go to, we talk to every single one. And when we start hearing or noticing that, all right, these guys are wanting a sound that, you know, we can fill this this need, then we'll create a new call. Um, but we haven't created a new call in, oh gosh, five years. Or no, I guess we did the the call with no name. Um, probably three years ago, three or four years ago. So it's been four years. So we're due to come out with a new one and, and we're excited about it. Cool. We're very excited about it. And those will be available in stores this fall. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yep. They will. Awesome. Well, cool. I think this is a good opportunity right here before we get into our next topic. Uh, we'll just go ahead and take a break real quick. Awesome. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. 
Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Cool. Uh, we'll we'll wrap this up with uh, just a conversation. I'm just going to talk to you about. I don't have you done any early season goose hunting? So it's funny you say that. Clay and I were actually going to go this morning, but oh, okay. we're, right now, <laughs> right now we're at that stage where the weather's starting to get cooler. The river is still very warm. Like you can go out there and swim in it. Yeah. In the mornings, the fog is so thick. So my brother, he lives literally right on the river. I mean, his backyard is the river. I live. Uh, it's actually 120 yards exactly off the river, and. But I'm up the hill. I'm not in floodplain. My brother, (laughs) sometimes he'll always sleep at night when that river's rising. Um, And I was sitting on the porch this morning. We already, we knew what was going to happen. I'm sitting on the porch this morning drinking coffee and the fog was so thick. Like I couldn't even see the houses, you know, directly in front of us. Um, The barges are just sounding their horns off because when they can't see, they're just constantly sounding their horns. And there were geese out there flying around. I could hear them. But Clay and I were like, do we give it a try? I'm like, man, we're going to be fogged in until 10 o'clock anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So, no, we didn't didn't do any early goose. uh, We might do it um, maybe, maybe Saturday or Sunday. Cool. Um, I go out of town to Utah on Monday, but um, so I'm we we might give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, well, that's cool. You don't want to mess with that fog anyway. Um, you know, no, no, no. So you know, one thing that we we've been really heavy on this early in this podcast season, which like August and into September, is the BPOP survey. And I'm sure you probably saw stuff on the BPOP survey, even things that we put out or other people put out. Um, how do you guys look at that? Like, how do you look at that habitat, you know, breeding population and habitat survey that comes out from the U S fish and wildlife service, Canadian wildlife service as a hunter, as a, you know, a call manufacturer, like how do you look at that BPOP survey when it comes out? You know, for us in our area here, um, the trend is we, if the numbers are good and surveys are looking positive, you know, from a call company standpoint, we love it when people are excited about waterfowl hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when people, you know, if the numbers are down or it is bad, it's just one of those things. Waterfowl hunters are still they're They have a positive outlook on everything. They're going to get out there and hunt. They're going to do their thing. You could say, we're probably not going to see a duck today and they're still going to go out there and hunt. Yeah. Um, and with us, what we've noticed is we are, weather driven 100 percent yeah um so that's the thing with us is we can't i've never in a season really seen a forecast that now don't get me wrong when um the water's good the hatch is good and people are having great hunts up north that's where our ducks come from you know we don't (laughs) we don't have many ducks being born and raised here in kentucky and Mm -hmm. indiana everything is is in the north so we love seeing those positive numbers um it just makes everybody you know more excited and you go out there, you know, positive vibes result in positive, you know, outcomes and hunts, in my opinion. If you go out there negative, you're going to have negative hunts. So I love seeing good surveys. I love people talking about, you know, healthy hatches with the ducks. Yeah, and it, we kind of hit on it in a couple different podcasts, myself and my co-host, Dr. Mike Brazier, where, 
you know, hunters like me and even yourself, you're, you know, you're almost the same age as me. Like we've never really hunted in a restricted season. So we don't really even know kind of what that means. So, you know, maybe that means some people don't pay as much attention to the survey when maybe they should. Or So I'm always curious just to see kind of how other hunters and especially, you know, someone who owns a, you know, waterfowl industry business that, you know, how how you look at it. And it sounds like you look at it the right way. Like, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily the end all be all of numbers. It's really just for sure. Yeah. So that's cool. And now I will say like, when we, uh, when we were doing the show out in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, um, we get a lot of hunters from Maryland and Delaware. And the last year we were out there, they all got shut down to one goose again. Mm -hmm. And there was talk of them even losing their goose season again, like Maryland did years ago. And you, there was a lot, you know, there was a lot of panic. People were concerned, but talking to the outfitters and the hunters, they're still positive. I mean, yeah. they're literally talking about possibly taking their goose season away. Then like, well, we'll just become duck hunters. We'll start hunting the <laughs> Chesapeake and we're, we're still hunters are going to hunt, you know, yeah. it's, uh, they're, they're, they're going to figure it out. Yeah. No, it's so, optimism. I mean, the place where I hunt in Arkansas, we've kind of transitioned our mindset from, we used to be a duck club and about two years ago we switched over. We just tell everybody, no, we're just a goose club. <laughs> we're just right. goose hunting most of the time. So like, yeah, this is not a duck club anymore. We're a goose club. Yep. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So it's just a well a prime mindset. example of that is is Western Kentucky, Southern Illinois, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you took they were always in debate with the eastern shore of Maryland as being who truly was the goose capital of the world. That's was right. it Southern Illinois or was it you know, the Eastern Shore of Maryland. And when, uh, which I remember as a kid when it was in the heyday and my dad was traveling to Southern Illinois goose hunting all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, back when, you know, the reports of the geese coming in was in the hundreds of thousands oh, like, yeah. per hour. Yeah. Um, but ever since that started dwindling away, all those goose clubs, they trans they transformed into duck clubs yeah. and they've got some phenomenal duck hunting. And, you know, they kind of knew that the writing was on the wall. And I remember talking to like a lot of the guys that, you know, Higdon and um, the guys that had the clubs in Southern Illinois, there were some clubs that would not let go of the past. They're like, no, we're a goose club and we're going to stay a goose club. And they eventually phased out. But the ones that were like, we want to hunt. Yeah. So they started transforming everything into a duck club and they're having great success. Yeah. And a lot of those geese, you know, were even where I'm from, you know, I'm where I'm from is only about three and a half hours south of Chicago. And there's times where those geese will, like big numbers will geese still stack up in central Indiana, but it's got to get super cold. But the majority of those geese that used to come down are like hanging out around Milwaukee right now, you know, and that's, that's tough. (laughs) I mean, it's now those guys up there enjoying it. I mean, I don't know if you can find better like Canada goose hunting than around like some of the Milwaukee and Chicago metro areas. They just stack up. It's crazy. They do. They do. And it's like central Indiana. Y'all are the ones that when y'all load up, which like you said, it's got to get crazy cold. Mm -hmm. And then we're down here just across the river, like, come on down just a little bit further. (laughs) And then they'll just, they'll hang up right there on you guys. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just the way it goes, you know? So, you know, let's kind of, we'll talk, kind of lead into that. Um, this coming season, you know, what are your expectations? What are you telling people at shows? Like, or is there anything specific that you're looking forward to? anything specific you know um we've done on a personal level um last year again we had a good year with the ducks 
Um, we've got some new tactics and strategies that we're going to try on the Ohio. Oh, at my, again, I'm going back to my age. I love trying stuff that is outside the box, outside the norm, just crazy. Like Clay and I, we'll talk decoy strategy or, you know, if we're in a wall, it's like, man, what if we tried this? It's absolutely mm-hmm. insane. Nobody does it, but let's go out there and try this. It's like, what do we got to lose? You know, either A, it works out and you're a hero or it doesn't work out and you're just, well, it was crazy. It was a crazy idea anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's the, we've got some stuff that we're going to try on the river that's kind of outside the box, um, mainly for attracting birds. And then um, ever since last year, we had the good hunts. We did some more dirt work. Um, we put some more habitat on the ground for the waterfowl in this area. And I'm really excited to see how the ducks react to it. And again, we don't really get our ducks, uh, any number of ducks till almost December. It's just the way it is. Yeah. yeah. You can go out there on opening day, you'll shoot the local ducks and then, but it takes December until we really see any numbers. Yeah. You guys um, have pretty good wood so, duck hunting right there along the river though, don't you? We do. A mm-hmm. lot of people go after them and, and hit them pretty hard. Cause you know, any of the creeks or the sloughs or, um, uh, we don't have we don't have a lot of backwater in our area um, because it's just such a deep river yeah. in the way the Ohio flows through us. But um, there is there is a lot of wood duck opportunities. And I remember, uh, oh gosh, it was probably seven eight years ago. We had blue wing teal like we've never had before. Hmm. We were going out. We were shooting limits of blue wing teal like every day on the river. But that has on the river. Nice. Yes, because there was. We would see about four or five flocks of them that literally had like 50, 80 to a couple hundred birds that just stayed in our area. And you could pluck away at them for a good four or five day stretch. And that hasn't happened. We've never seen that again. Um, and then every year here is so different. We've had years to where you saw pintails and you would have thought you were in California. Just, I mean, like flies. And then the next year, if you shoot a pintail, you're you're excited. It's just, it's the way, it's the way it is here. Yeah, no, that As area, you know. <laughs> yeah, that area is such a migration transition area. I mean, we teal hunted when I was growing up, but it was so hit or miss. Like you would try and scout and find some birds, and if you did. You'd go back them that next morning, and there was about a 50-50 chance that you'd show up and you wouldn't see a bird because those birds were just bouncing right. along. They're getting out of there. So if you had them for four or five days, that's that's pretty awesome. That's what I'm saying. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. But that's a that's a faint, fond memory at this point because it's like, well, don't, don't hang your hat on that because there's not a good chance it'll happen again. <laughs> but be ready just in case it does, right? Always be ready. That's right. <laughs> be ready for be ready for anything. So, when, yes, sir. Going into this season, are you gonna, what? What are some of these new secret tactics? Do you want to share any of them, or are you guys going to pull the uh, maybe the one decoy strategy, <laughs> or you know, we have we have tried smaller spreads. Um, I tell you what, if it works. I tell you what, I'll tell you what doesn't work next year. How about that? That's perfect. <laughs> that's that's exact. No, I mean we're just it's um, it's just some location stuff, different mm-hmm. um, decoy spreads, uh, and just really the way you set up. Because I don't care where you're from, um, it's kind of like fishing. If you get hung up on what has worked in the past, a lot of people just like to stick with that exact same method. And if it goes stale, you just you're always thinking, well, it worked before, it's got to work again. Well, there might be something that might work just a little bit better. Well, I'll tell you one thing right now. Um, we used to, I mean, this was years ago. We started running large Canada spreads. 
And it was very effective because a lot of people wouldn't run large mm-hmm. canvas spreads and we were shooting ducks in our Canada's. Well, that was, oh gosh, over 20 years ago. Um, and now over the last five years, we've noticed that our massive canvas spreads are not as effective as what they used to be on ducks. So we started reducing our canvas spreads down a little bit. So it's just, it was one of those things that was like, oh my gosh, this is a no brainer. And it was amazing. It was just as effective as like the spinning wing. Um, but over the years we started noticing the birds, mainly the geese, um, the big river sets for the geese, they actually started avoiding it a little bit because we saw a lot of people in our area. Um, and it's, I mean, if you read, you know, any type of tip magazine or whatever, people yeah. are really talking about big dark spreads. Yeah. Um, and I think they're just kind of slowly starting to, I, I don't know. It's, uh, uh, we're we're going to just change it up a little bit. Yeah. I think I wrote one of those articles quoting you on one of those big dark river spreads where you're, you know, really targeting ducks, but, uh, that was probably yeah, five, eight yeah. years ago. I know. Um, but I remember you mentioning that, that that's how you were doing it. And that's, that's something I never did up there. I didn't, we didn't have enough floaters to do anything like that. We were, <laughs> we were limited right. on the number of floaters we had. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and don't get me wrong. I love looking at a big, big water, big set. I mm-hmm. love looking at big decoy spreads and I'll, I am a creature of habit also, and I'll probably continue to do the same thing, <laughs> to be honest with you. Hard to give it up. You know, there's some some hunters out there who just, well, they don't want to change their spread, and then there's others, um, and I'm probably guilty of it. I change it too too much. <laughs> you know, I want to get right. out there and, oh, let's move it over here. Let's move it over here. Let's try this. And, like, some of the guys at home are like, why would we try that? We smacked them yesterday. I'm like, I, I don't know. Just, I know. Do something different. <laughs> So, yeah, that's good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, my thing is I get the joy and the pleasure. And again, talking about numbers, I'm not as mad at them as I used to be. But the one thing that frustrates me the most on hunting is when we set a spread and if the birds are landing wide of the decoys. Mm-hmm. All right. It's one thing when they don't land at all. They're just, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that. But when they actually work your spread, but they land where you it wasn't the spot you want them to land in. That's what drives me crazy. It's like we fooled them, but we didn't fool them enough. Mm-hmm. There's something that we can do different to get them to work just a little bit closer. Or I want that bird to land in the exact spot that we set up, you know, for that bird to land in. So that's where I get my pleasure. If I shoot one duck on the river that literally works perfect, comes in and lands in that exact square foot spot, my day's made. I'm like, we we still got it, you know. Yeah. It's no. not necessarily shooting handfuls for a picture or whatever. It's we fooled them the way we wanted to. Yeah, that that is probably one of the better feelings when you set the decoys and you set everything up and you set yourself up and you're sitting there and you're kind of tr- trying to explain to like some guys I'm hunting with, like, see, they're going to hook off of this end and they're going to land right there. And then like they only do that about one out of ten times. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, and when it right. gets when it gets when it's right, you're like looking around like, see, I told you, that's it. I knew what they were going to do. You know, <laughs> but you only get to say that on occasion. You never get to say it all the time. I know. So. But that is one of the better <laughs> feelings. That's yep. perfect. Yep. Well, cool, man. This has been a great conversation. And uh, do you have anything else to add about the the you know the duck book from Yeti? I am so excited, honored, and humbled. And uh, I feel like you know the number of people that were involved in it, um, the amount of talent of people contributing to it. Um, I know it's going to be an amazing book. And I just again, I can't thank 
Yeti enough for, you know, doing something in, in, in our world, the waterfowlers world. They've done it with wild sheep. They've done mm-hmm. it with tarpon. They've done it with whitewater. Um, and for them to, you know, create such an amazing tribute to the waterfowling world. I'm very thankful to Yeti. I can't thank them enough. And uh, I'm excited about the book to launch. It's just, it's a, um, it's a great perspective on our waterfowling world that I feel like is very well-rounded. Um, that kind of pays tribute to all types of waterfowling cultures from coast to coast. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. Cool. That's awesome. And it's, it's awesome that Yeti's doing this, you know, kind of on behalf and supporting, uh, you know, wetlands conservation throughout North America. So that's, that's an exciting give back for us. Um, and I'm sure absolutely just a benefit absolutely. for all waterfowl hunters out there. So, yes, sir. So Phil, this has been great. I appreciate you taking the time today and we'll have to get you back in. We may have to get you back in earlier, uh, this year, just because mainly I want to <laughs> hear, I want to hear some of the tactics that failed on the river this year. Some of the ones that didn't. Work. <laughs> the ones that failed might be more a little, a little more uh, vocal about to talk about. The ones that work really well, I might have to hang on to those just for another season, just to, just to make sure they still work. Right? <laughs> That's right. You don't want to give away all the secrets quite yet. <laughs> That's right. Yes, sir. Cool. Well, Chris, man, it's been an, it's been a pleasure, and thank you all so much for thanking me to have me on. It's, it's always an honor talking to you all. All right. No problem, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank my guest, Field Hudnall, owner of Field Proven Calls and a Yeti ambassador for joining the DU Podcast and talking about the new Yeti Presents Ducks book. I'd also like to thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for putting the show together, getting it out to you, and doing a great job. I'd also like to thank you, the listener, for joining us on the DU Podcast and supporting wetlands conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. Stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.